The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. This is the mailbag edition following a massive... Chiefs win against the Minnesota Vikings. Matt Moore came through in the clutch. Fantastic performance by him. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, We got a lot to cover today. You guys asked a lot of great questions. We got a lot of fun things that we're going to go through today. Here to help me go through all that, my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, how you feeling today? Man, we're riding high. We got a Chiefs win. You know, the rest of the AFC West may have won. That's okay. The Chiefs are kind of in contention for that two seed now. That's all we won at the end of this uh, Matt Moore experiment, right? I mean, all things considered, yeah. No, I, one and one. I, I don't think you, you can't ask for anything else. I mean, I, I, I'm so thrilled that they stole one of these. I, if Pat Mahomes had played for these two games, I would have been totally content with a split. No. If um, Holmes was playing, we should have won both these games by a good 20 points. Um, our third member here, you hear him laughing in the background, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. I mean, you're with me here, right, Craig? We should have won both games by 20-plus if Holmes plays, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. The defense really would have shown with Patrick Mahomes out there. No, you guys, the defense. It's. I said it two weeks ago. It's fixed. But like it's it's fixed now. That's that's three decent performances. Green Bay will kind of sweep under the rug a little bit. There are some things that we didn't like about that, but great performance against the Vikings, great performance against the Broncos. We're starting to see this defense come into its own. So I'm ecstatic. I'm I'm ready to talk football this week. Look out two thousand Ravens. That's all I gotta say. Oh wait, hang on. Well, you know. I mean, all we had to do was sign our new Justin Hamilton glue guy and Mike Pinnell, and things just started taking off. Oh, my God. He's so good right now, guys. So good. The anyway. run game. Yeah, he's phenomenal in the run game. We're not even getting to questions, and we're just, like, gushing naturally. It's mm-hmm. kind of funny. We have a lot to cover, um, a ton of questions, so we're going to just jump right into it. Um, five-star review questions. Ask the five-star. Uh, leave a five-star review. Ask a question. We'll try to answer it. Little Breeze, 35 these are mostly just funny. Either Craig Stout was at the Leewood Hands on Saturday or he had a doppelganger. He truly is a renaissance man and the GOAT. This guy looked exactly like him and gave me a phenomenal tip. Craig? Are you at the Leewood Hands? 
I, I was not at the Leewood Hands, and if I would have been on, on Saturday, I would have been dressed up like the dude from the Big Lebowski, <laughs> yeah. so I wouldn't have even looked like me. He would have so... very much looked like a Renaissance man, and I'm going to actually insert in here that I don't think Craig knew where he was on Saturday night based on the original picture we got shown, so yeah. it very well could have been him. Uh, just, just facts on this show. Uh, the Chiefs are 1-0. When Craig Stout dresses up like the dude and predicts a Chiefs victory, so uh, Craig, you you might want to save it for special situations like the ASC Championship game, which is definitely being hosted at Arrowhead because everything is fine now. Um, so just just keep that in your back pocket. And Mouse, you know, last year last year I begged the defense to be good for like four weeks in a row there at the end of the four. season. I 14, did. 14. I begged him on the prediction on the prediction video. Like I, I cried into my glass of tequila on the prediction video for four weeks in a row, and they were they were pretty good for three of those weeks. Then the Patriots game happened. Not a great ratio there. M yeah. Mouse one eighty seven. I know there wasn't much of a pass rush today, but once Clark Okafor and Fuller are healthy. Would it be a good idea to still keep them inactive if the Chiefs can play defense like they did today for the rest of the season? My tongue is in my cheek. You just can't see it. Yeah. No, I, hey, shout out to this defense for rallying together, for, for you know, pulling together and really, you know, a little bit limited, finding a way to, to be productive here. Okay. AP Nerd Squad at Gmail questions. If you don't have social media, if you want to uh, email us, feel free to do that. Grant Kelly says, I love the pod podcast and listen to it while I'm at work. Uh, first, I'd like to ask a question about you guys. I wondered where you guys developed your knowledge of the technical aspect of the game, knowing the X's and O's at a deeper level. Uh, what got you started? What resources do you recommend to expand your knowledge? Let's just start there. Um, so I was lucky enough to... And I think it's good to maybe reintroduce ourselves to some people that maybe didn't listen when we first started because we talked about this a while back when we, when we first started the show. I uh, I learned the game mostly from Jonathan Quinn, former Chiefs quarterback. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator and the head coach when I was in college. Uh, I just... I tried to learn everything I possibly could about the game. He's really what gave me the baseline. Uh, that's that's where I've kind of learned my stuff. I, I tend to lean offense if you guys couldn't tell. Uh, running backs don't matter and defense doesn't matter in my opinion. But, uh, so that's kind of where I learned my, my, my aspects of the, and, but honestly, like, I think all of us are really, you've got to stay ahead of it. You got to continue to learn. Maddie, how'd you learn about football? I also played when growing up. Now I didn't play quarterback. I wasn't that fancy. That wasn't that handsome. I didn't have the hair. I actually played in the trenches. I played offensive and defensive line. As you might expect, being a you know trench player, I wasn't the smartest X and those guys on the field, but I was interested in it. I really got interested with it. If anyone remembers, the Madden franchise came out with the head coach version to where you were just playing as the head coach. You called plays. You didn't actually call the plays or run the plays. You just called them. I found it really entertaining, and everybody else in the world hated it. That's kind of where I got started being interested in more than what was just happening on the field. And I didn't hate it, Matty, everything. just so you know. I didn't hate it. <laughs> okay, okay. It was a of good course. game. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a very good game. So that got me interested in what was going on kind of from a coaching standpoint. Got done playing football. I got much more interested, no longer playing, in how everything happened, how it worked. Like Kent said, you just got to keep working. You got to look everywhere, talk to everybody you can about figuring out what's going on watch tape, spend a lot of time finding websites that 
have people that you respect, find books that you respect the authors of them and just reading them, figuring out what they know, trying to apply that yourself. And then, you know, wait a little bit before you meet your significant other so you can lock yourself in a bedroom watching football tape over and (laughs) over and over again and not really have a life. Then you kind of start to understand it. Then you get married and you hope they accept it. Wow. That's that is very specific, Maddie. That's very specific. That comes from experience, sir. Let's let's be real here. How much time how many times can you spend ten hours a day watching football film and then still have a girl be like, Oh, you seem like a good catch? (laughs) That's That's true. true. And that's what exactly what happened when we were in mobile. We just like we just sat there with a clicker for like five hours watching practice. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. That doesn't work at home as well unless you've already trapped them. So you got to get there first. <laughs> Trap them. Okay, for me, I, I didn't play as long as these guys. I, I got out of it a little earlier than them. Uh, my grandfather was a DB coach, so I kind of grew up around it for most of my life. And then I really kind of put the X's and O's to the side until I joined Arrowhead Pride, actually. And there were a lot of questions about the 3-4 defense. Nobody really kind of understood the techniques and how people translated and things like that. So I started watching like old Pete Carroll, you know, coaching clinic stuff, some Nick Saban coaching clinic stuff, just trying to absorb as much as possible just for the sole purpose of, hey guys, this is what these people say. This is how you learn. And they just kept going and kept trying to learn and learn about defense. And, you know, like these guys said, you don't stop. If you think you know enough, you, you're you done. Like, you have to keep learning. You have to keep absorbing these new techniques, these new things like that. I, you know, we read a lot of Cody Alexander from Match Quarters. Cody is very good at staying ahead of things. You, know, you just got to you gotta absorb as much as possible, learning as much about the game as you can. And try not to be stagnant. I mean, as Spagnolo says, if you're if you're stagnant, then you're dead. So you know, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, we 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 work really hard at this because we care and we really love kind of learning things. Like I think that's you know, it, it, you've got to find resources out there. Cody Alexander is fantastic. Uh, Match Quarters is his website. It's exceptional. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff out there that if you can if you can get your hands on. It can certainly help. I, there's a lot of clinics that we've got access to. If you're a visual learner, yeah. I'm more of a visual learner. I'm not as much of a reader, so like I can read all the, I can read all the checks, the coverage checks like a thousand times. I may not retain it as well uh, as some other guys. So I, like I have to be a visual learner. So like th- there's all kinds of stuff out there. There's stuff on YouTube. Uh, there's I, I I'll tr- maybe I'll try to tweet out. There's a great YouTube resource out there. Uh, that has all these just coaches clinics on there, and I frequent it a lot. Read Chris B. Brown's book about yes. smart football. Yes, the essentials mm-hmm. of smart football and the art of smart football. It's a good place to start too. Like it gets pretty has some good depth in there, but it also keeps it understand like basic enough that you can kind of understand it <laughs> if you're starting to get into things. Like that's kind of the hard part is finding stuff that's easy to dissect if you're just getting into breaking down you know scheme and things like that versus if you have a good baseline it's kind of hard to find the balance between the two but once you get the baseline there's so many other opportunities out there to find new information you just got to get there first you got to find the best way for you like kent said if he's a visual learner to see it that way some people are very good just reading stuff it all depends on how you learn best but get the basics then there's so much out there available for everybody that goes beyond just the 
the stuff that you kind of hear us talk about most of the time on here. And yeah, and don't it, the the smart football books great because if you start with like Cody Alexander stuff, it's dense and it's heavy. Like it it, it it's hard to get through sometimes just because of all the terminology and everything like that sometimes you got to have 14 tabs open to read one article (laughs) sort of deal so i mean it it is dense but it is such a wealth of knowledge so yeah the smart football books are great great call and feel free to reach out to us if you've got a question about something i mean we we're willing to well we're willing to help if you've got something that you want you know we'll, we'll try to get you at least an idea or get you to the right direction of where where to go for that Derek Jansen asks why did Spags decide not to blitz in the game today it was obvious that Cousins was struggling under pressure honestly the four-man rush provided enough pressure to Cousins that they didn't necessarily need to blitz I think we were a little bit surprised but I think Matt even said last week uh, with the way the Vikings use their screen game you know how well they they use that with Dalvin Cook and get those guys into space. It it actually may have been more of a hindrance to blitz. You know, then you don't have as many guys out there to kind of defend against those sorts of things. We saw them get beat by some of those screen games. If they would have been blitzing heavily, I think it might have been worse. Plus, after about three plays, you got to see that you were getting bad Kirk Cousins that game. Ooh, so baby. you didn't necessarily need to force the pressure quite as much. So yeah. you had to start talking about bad Kirk Cousins. I, did. I, I did. You, You're going to get me started on that. Uh, very overpaid quarterback. Uh, Corey Jennings asks, should we keep Matt Moore or Chad Henney as the backup for Mahomes? Moore has done a great job in relief. So, uh, and Maddie, I think you, you, you summarized it perfectly. We like, we like Chad Henney in the room. We like Matt Moore on the field. And I think that's, very accurate. I think that's perfectly accurate. Put Matt Moore, let him play on the field. Let him actually, let him be the guy that's playing. I think Henny's a fantastic sounding board. I think he's smart. I think he's seen it all. And I think he's been here for a long time. So I like that. Uh, you guys had some really, really good jokes uh, in, in, the, in the questions on the laboratory. So we had to just, I'm just going to read them out and you guys can, and just, you can just take them. Uh, but we're not really going to respond to them. They're they're fantastic, though. Irish KC Chiefs. So now that Matt Moore is the second best quarterback in the National Foot- Football League, how many first round picks do the Chiefs get for him? Uh, and a lot of Matt Moore jokes. Justin D. Spear, but this one wasn't. Justin D. Spear, who's the best cornerback of all time? Daryl Revis, Deion Sanders, Charvarius Ward, Chant Bailey, Rashad Fenton, or Herb oh, Miller? We got a we got a Herb Miller callback. Oh, you, you're an OG, uh, Justin D. Spear. Uh, Charlie Boy International says, please discuss other things that move at 28 miles an hour. <laughs> Kent Swanson towards things that he shouldn't be ordering at a restaurant. Oh, come on. I went to Q39 <laughs> today or this weekend and I ordered barbecue. I actually had uh, had lunch with or had dinner with uh, with Keith McClain. So shout out to that oh, to nice. our pal Keith McLean. We enjoy Craig, that you got to meet him. I also like that you are finally acknowledging that what you normally order there is not barbecue. It's not barbecue. Uh, we had a we had a conversation with the uh, waiter there, and we both were oh, lamenting gosh. the uh, the the smoke fried chicken sandwich being gone. The reason it's gone is because the prep time and the amount of time and effort they put into that perfection. Is was just too much because they smoke it and then they fry it. Uh, Craig Hulse, 
He says, should we trade Mahomes for a linebacker since Moore has established himself as the quarterback of the future? Uh, and ready aim lion. Matt Moore for Khalil Mack even up? Or do the Bears have to add a third? <laughs> just well done, fellas. Well I mean, done, Just family. like I said the week before, I, I'm okay with Matt Moore for uh, Kyle Fuller. So. If you're gonna if you're gonna trade uh if, if you're gonna trade Matt Moore for Khalil Mack straight up, you you're gonna need more, fellas. All right, let's jump into the Twitter questions. A lot of great qu- Twitter questions. We're gonna try to get through as many as we possibly can here. Wichita Chief Sam asks, Chris Jones has had had his most well rounded game of the season while playing twenty eight of his forty five snaps on the edge. He had a he had four total on the season before yesterday should jones continue playing a large number of snaps on the edge maddie i know that's something you've been talking about since like basically steve spagnolo was hired (laughs) yeah since january so this is something we talked about in the offseason because it was it's no secret that chris jones looked a lot thinner this year when he did finally show up the chiefs camp but when you got all those workout videos he looked a lot more like a defensive end than he did a defensive tackle he was already a relatively light last year defensive tackle because he wins with his speed he's strong but he wins as much with his speed and his quickness as anything else so he was already a little lighter he looked like he lost more weight you bring in a defensive coordinator that likes big long defensive ends that are able to set the edge versus the run and rush the passer. It was just kind of something that made sense to see if Chris Jones wanted to play out there. We kind of speculated that maybe the Chiefs had floated it out to him. Maybe he wanted to get paid more money in the future by switching out the defensive end. It was just something we were kind of thinking, workshopping, because it just made sense. You didn't see it at all this year before his injury. It just didn't happen. Now, injuries this week kind of pushed him out there to defensive end. But lo and behold, he looked good at it. All of a sudden, Chris Jones faults as a run defender, which there are plenty. I know he makes very splashy plays versus the run. He is not a consistently strong anchor on the inside. He does not do well against head-up blocks or strong interior offensive linemen. He does not handle double teams well. But when you put him out at defensive end, he's playing with a half shoulder uncovered. He's got that outside arm free. He sets an edge really well. You reduce the amount of just power blocks, down blocks, drive blocks he's facing. He looked good as a run defender. He still gets to rush the passer. You kick him in on in, on long and late downs. It's the best of all the worlds for the Chiefs, in my opinion. I don't know why the Chiefs were hesitant to start the year like that with him and Frank Clark at defensive end. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I, Matty actually wrote a fantastic kind of guide in the KC Draft Guide about the types of players that get to play outside for Steve Spagnuolo. Chris Jones fits so well in that. Um, so I do think that that is something that we can pay attention to going forward. It helps that he had a very good performance this week. I know that they're very injured, but you also have to keep in mind, Chris Jones is getting the best of both worlds for him right there because Chris Jones playing on the edge in the base is great. Chris Jones gets to kick back inside to rush the passer in the sub rush. That's where he wins. That's where we see him most effective as an interior defensive lineman is that sub rush. So you you get to use Chris Jones to the best of his abilities there, and you don't really have to play to his weaknesses quite as much. I do wonder 
if Chris Jones is going to maybe be able to kick out a little bit on some of those stretch runs. I know we talked about him setting the edge, but can he get upfield enough? Can he help kick out? Does he have the speed to kind of chase to the sideline a little bit there? That would be my only real concern. But honestly, with the way the rest of the edge rushes are going right now, I I don't know that any of those guys are really particularly great at it. So I don't know that it's that. Yeah, I don't think he's any worse at that than Okafor, Ogba, Passing have been this year. So, right. All those guys are ending up chasing behind the running back or the quarterback during those bootlegs and, you know, stretch runs. So I, I don't think that it's that big of a deal. I think it's a good point. Uh, Craig, I also think you made a good point. You know, you've seen the likes of, you know, Emmanuel Ogba, Tano Passanio kicking kicking inside anyway on on, uh, mm-hmm. on on lighter personnel downs. And so, I mean, if you're just throwing Chris, Chris Jones inside there to rush the passer, like, makes all the sense in the world. And plus, I think, you know, I think you've seen the guys like Derek Nodding, you've seen Colin Saunders, Mike Pennell, the GOAT, uh, Joey Snacks Ivey. Pennell. Don't. It's Snacks Pennell. Oh Actually, I mean, the Chiefs have like, the Chiefs have two Snacks on their on their team now because Pennell and, and Naughty, I goodness gracious, I don't know what they've been snacking on, but they've looked phenomenal inside. I'm very excited about both of those guys moving forward. Pennell looks like a great ad. Uh, mm-hmm. look like great midseason ad. Fantastic. Chiefs board asks, what are the chances the Chiefs win out and the Patriots lose two plus? What would the implications of that be? I think that it's going to be a it's a strong stretch to see the Patriots losing two plus more games. They have a hard schedule coming up, so it's not impossible. Just Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're not they're still not at the point right now where you're going to expect them to lose this many games. The Chiefs winning out, also a possibility. Like I wouldn't say any of this would be unheard of. It's just that's a lot of games in a row for the Chiefs to win. It's not a particularly hard schedule. They do play each other, which is probably each team's hardest matchup left. It's just getting both those things to happen seems like the odds would be pretty low. That would set the Chiefs up in a good spot to contend for the first seed. And if they beat the Patriots, which the question implies, they would probably have a, the tiebreaker there as well. So, I mean, that would be good. You get that bye week for sure. It's just I, I don't see it happening with the lead the Patriots have starting undefeated for the first eight weeks. I, I think it comes down to this weekend. If the Patriots lose to the Eagles, there's a shot. That uh, That's your shot right there. Uh, they also have the Cowboys still on their schedule and the Chiefs still on their schedule. The Texans are also there. Maybe they can sneak up a little bit, but realistically, the Patriots should win the rest of their games. It is a little harder, but I, I think that winning is really hard in the NFL. It's very, very hard to do. And I think maybe our expectation is that when Mahomes back and the defense playing like this, that we should be able to rattle off a bunch of wins in a row. And hey, if they're playing to the best of their ability, they definitely should. They should be able to beat every one of these teams left on the schedule. But you got to think that maybe there'll be a stinker in there somewhere. So asking the Chiefs to sort of win out would be rough, I think. I mean, they, they got to beat the Patriots, obviously, further to have any chance but let's keep an eye on Tom Brady here, fellas. He's 42, starting to show his age a little bit. The weather's about to get colder. The hits are accumulating. Anytime he gets hit, makes it a little bit more difficult for him to continue to sustain success at this age. I mean, he's he's a freak of nature, but man, come on. Brandon Jones asks, is the run defense legitimately fixed? 
Or have we just been throwing more bodies at it to cover our deficiencies and make Kirk Cousins play quarterback? Is this sustainable against balanced pass rush teams with quarterbacks not named Kirk Cousins? I'm leading this question off just because this is my window to dunk on Kirk Cousins, that milk drinker who is afraid of, of any kind of pressure, a hint of pressure, and he can't complete a pass in the flat. He overthrew his receiver in the flat like three times this week. Easy completions. And with the tackling abilities of the Chiefs and the linebackers, you should be able to get positive yards on that. But no. Kirk Cousins, the back foot milk drinker, just had an abysmal performance. It was beautiful. It was validating. It sparked all the joy in my life. What a beautiful... The better quarterback won. The better quarterback won this week. Okay, guys, legitimately answer the question now. Kent hates milk. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The run defense... very bad, in my opinion. He thinks his brittle bones could run a sub eight-second three cone. (laughs) I'm on Otesla now, guys. The arthritis is, is dwindling. The three cone is thriving. Anyways. Yeah, sure, sure. Listen, if the defensive line is going to play like this, then yeah, it's fixed. Derek Naughty looks amazing. Uh, Maddie and I had talked a lot this offseason from watching Spags tape, watching Snacks Harrison and how dominant he was as a nose tackle. And we talked about how if Derek Naughty makes that leap, that he could be one of the major beneficiaries in this system. Derek Naughty came into the season and played the first five weeks pretty poorly. Then these past three weeks have been phenomenal. He really has been great. Uh, He is just dominating blockers. He's making plays. He is, you know, anchoring against double teams and allowing Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Ragland, Damian Wilson to get downhill. He looks phenomenal. I do think that they're still growing with their gap discipline and learning, but the fact that they've got so much rotation on that defensive line, Pennell coming in, Colin Saunders, who was supposed to have a redshirt year, is playing a lot of snaps and looking pretty decent out there. So I think the coaching has been very good. These guys are starting to click. Everything's starting to click, and they're starting to really kind of thrive under this new coaching. I think that it's on the upswing I don't know if they play a more balanced attack. Certainly a running quarterback will give them fits. But I I think against a more traditional offense, like, say, the Patriots, that they can definitely load up and stop the run. I do think they've kind of gone out of their way to make sure they have more and better bodies ready to stop the run. Like, we've seen the Reggie Ragland switch for Darren Lee has paid dividends. It's helped with the run defense. They figured their linebackers weren't able to cover anybody anyway, so you might as well just double down on the ones that stop the run. I mean, if that's the mm-hmm. case, you might as well do it. That seems to work. I think a little bit of addition by subtraction, and I don't want people to get too upset by this, kind of mentioned it before. I think having Colin Saunders and Derek Nottie or Mike Pennell and Derek Nottie has helped the interior defensive line's run defense over having Chris Jones there. I do think they're just a little bit better against the run 
consistently than he was in terms of being on the inside. So I think a little move like that helped. It just took them some time to get everything gelling. So you just kind of have a team that is playing more gaps out football right now. You have three linebackers out there that are playing a little bit more aggressive against the run. They're linear guys, but they are attacking with it with Ragland, Wilson, Hitchens. Everybody's playing the run well right now. Everyone's getting involved. You've seen less missed tackles against the run. You've seen guys rallying to the football. It's kind of what you expected to see from the defense in terms of stopping the run. And Steve Spagnuolo, as much as I or Kent may disagree that stopping the run doesn't matter in the NFL, Steve Spagnuolo believes it does. He does like to stop the run. That's why he puts bigger bodies out there on defense. He's getting back to that now. You see the issue with that in terms of covering tight ends or running backs with linebackers but he believes in stopping the run. They're starting to do that with the personnel and the amount of guys they put in the box. And if that's their goal, they're succeeding at it. So go ahead, keep doing it. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with more questions from Twitter right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, more questions from Twitter. We'll start with this one, KJH3172. I love this question. One of my favorite questions mm. of the day. Who are the Chiefs cornerbacks in August of 2020? So we've got some free agencies, some draft. Oh, no, I just realized I let Maddie lead off on this question. Well, I'm glad you asked. It's going to be Charvarius Ward. It's going to be Rashad mm-hmm. Finn. It's mm-hmm. going to be... A rookie. I can't tell you exactly who it's going to be right now without listing off 853 names. So One we, name, Maddie, for crying out loud. So we are going to go with Cam Dantzler. I think he's a little bit of a sleeper here. Mm-hmm. I've liked him a little bit. I know Craig's watched him more than I have this year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I kind of brought up a little bit earlier on. I would love to say Paulson Adebo right now. I just don't think he's going to last those picks. So there's my secret way to get in two names. So we're going with Cam Dantzler. But the surprise <laughs> one. This is the one that people weren't ready for. Chris Harris Jr. Woo, baby. He's about to be a free agent. He wants to come play in Kansas City. He's made plenty of remarks at how he likes Patrick Mahomes, how he likes Tyreek Hill, how they're hard to play against. I think it's there in the back of his head. He wants to play in Kansas City. He wants another ring. Come on over. See, and that's that's a real nice sleeper one because Chris Harris is going to be very comfortable playing in the slot mm-hmm. as well. So that kills Two birds with one stone. You can bring the rookie along a little bit, have Charvarius Ward on the other side, or, you know, vice versa, whoever's playing better, and have Chris Harris in the base kick inside in the slot. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm going with, again, Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton. I think they're both pretty much locks based on how they're playing right now this season to be on this roster next year. I'm going to go with James Bradbury Dang out it. of Carolina. They don't want to. They don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him. I don't know that the Chiefs want to pay what he's going to be worth either, but I like him a lot. He's a long corner with ball skills. He's great on the boundary. That means I need a nickel corner because Rashad Fenton 
regardless of where they're paying, playing him, is still not a nickel corner, you guys. So I'm going to go with a later guy, Darnay Holmes. I think Darnay Holmes out of UCLA, maybe in the third round, late second, depending on you know where the pick is, he, he plays a little smaller, but I do like his football mind. I've watched a little bit of him. He doesn't necessarily have great long speed and he doesn't have great length, but he's tenacious. He throws himself, you know, kind of into every encounter, kind of full bore. Steve Spagnuolo loves that from his slot corners. So I'm going to go with him as a little bit more of a sleeper that frees the Chiefs up to do something else early. I uh I was very disappointed that you picked James Bradbury. That's okay. I think I've got a. Uh, I think I've got a, a, a very on-brand take for me. Uh, so the Chiefs Aaron are going Springs to is in the XFL. So uh, no, just... it's not Aaron Springs. <laughs> it's not Aaron Springs. So uh, you've got Traverius Ward. You got Rashad Fenton. Uh, the Chiefs are going to draft Sean Wade, and who's, who can play inside? He out of Ohio oh, State. Man, out of Ohio State. Ohio State yeah. University. Also, by the way, they're gonna grab uh, they're gonna br- grab Bryce, Bryce Hall in the second round too, with one of the picks that they get for Chris Jones, um, and uh, it's not a free agent, guys. It is. Are they trading? No, it's a guy that's getting released, and will not count against the compensatory formula. Oh God, AJ Bouye. Oh baby, yeah. So you've got uh, you've got Bouye, you've got Ward, you've got Fenton, you've got Sean Wade who's going to play in the slot. You got Bryce Hall who's going to get healthy and thrive in Kansas City. It's going to be a beautiful thing, and the compensatory formula is going to be in phenomenal shape after that. So you get all the picks. Okay, Kay Gumminger asks: Is the national media sleeping a little on the Chiefs now? Pat's uh, Pat's all-time defense, Ravens. Are the next-gen offensive attack? Deshaun Watson's the MVP. Here come the Raiders and the Chargers. Are you expecting the Chiefs to put the rest of the league on notice as the teams begin to get healthy? I'll, I'll just be real with you here. I don't really, I don't really think about the national media stuff like at all. Um, I don't care if the Chiefs go out and do their thing. Yeah, they're going to shut a lot of people up because this team is more than capable of winning a Super Bowl. Clint McKenzie one asks, what is it called specifically when Damian Wilson fakes a blitz, backs out, then loops around the edge to the backside of the play? I saw this multiple times yesterday. Thanks for humoring me in my questions for football literacy. I like the question, Craig. I I think it's one of two things. I'm I'm not sure exactly what he's referring to. He might be referring to Damian Wilson running a stunt like off of like a long scoop from a defensive end or something like that, where basically he's looping around the backside. But I think what he's referring to is maybe pre-snap uh, mugging or sugaring the uh, a gap up there and then backing off into coverage. And when he does that, he's then looking at the running back coming out of the backfield. Typically, he's in man, maybe against that running back. If that running back then stays into block because basically he faked the blitz or they're bringing somebody else on a blitz, stays into block and pass protection, it's called green dogging. And that's a green dog blitz. Then he backs into coverage, realizes he's not going to be in coverage against that guy. And so then he blitzes there. So that's called green dogging. And it's called green dogging because originally blitzing was called 
red dogging instead of blitzing. And so there's your there's your lesson for the day. Came from Independence, Missouri, former KU football and player. And if you want to ask Wade Phillips about it, he will be very, very irate with you if you call a green dog player that rushes the passer a blitzer. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does not like that. Uh, one of the things that if sometimes, and sometimes this isn't a direct um, explanation of what they're just talking about, but sometimes they'll fake a blitz, drop out, or sometimes they'll drop out and then blitz um that messes with the protection so you know for sure simulated pressure is something that a lot of people have been talking about lately and sometimes and, if and you're it's really just something jared davis the lions you, you just turn into a zombie and like slowly walk yes into yes. slowly walk towards the offensive lineman uh <laughs> that was that was just a goat tweet oh my that's called yellow dogging <laughs> by the way brown dogging because it's poop brown dog um I the, uh, attack pr- attack protections. You know, like uh, some of the things that yeah. they do with linebackers. Some te- some of the things teams would do with linebackers, showing pressure, bouncing out, bouncing out, showing pre- you know, all of these things. It's you attack protections. If you have a good feel of the protection rules that a team is using, they're going to try to attack them with as little as ma- as few of people as possible. That's the play. That's the, that's the approach. And that's the smart approach. I love it. I think. I, I think that's the smart play. Uh, I, as as an offensive guy, I if you're if you're affecting my protection, that's a problem. Uh, and and doing it with as few people as possible, it's very inside football. But I I love Ex- that stuff. Offensive line coach on Twitter, Paul Alexander, talks about gap and man blocking protections all the time from offensive linemen. And mm-hmm. this is something that really crushes. I mean, man blocking assignments. If you get assigned to block a linebacker because you're in a man protection and they back out. Yeah, it good offensive lineman's going to go work for help, but that just means there's going to be an unblocked rusher somewhere else on the line of scrimmage that now the quarterback has to deal with while an offensive guard does nothing. So it's just like Kent saying, it's a way to mess with protections without actually having to send extra people at the quarterback. You get another guy in coverage that the offense wasn't expecting at the beginning. You saw it last week on uh, the Damian Wilson third down play against Aaron Rodgers. Tyron Matthew came up, faked a blitz, and then dropped into coverage. The right tackle actually kicked out in protection against Matthew, and the defensive end actually then took the guard out of the play. Damian Wilson ran untouched because there was nobody there for him. So uh, there's that's messing with protections there. Basically, the left tag or the right tackle is blocking nobody, and Damian Wilson has a free shot. A lot of football in general, if you just kind of want to boil it down, it's – it's teams trying to attack the rules of each opponent, of each other. They're trying to affect protection rules, coverage rules with and Andy's Andy's the best at it. Like he's mm-hmm. phenomenal at it. You're a, you're trying to um you know, take advantage of the rules that you have in place on on both sides of the ball. Uh and and Sometimes it's Jimmy's and Joe's, but that's really what X's and O's is. It's just trying to affect the rules that you have in place. And if you have a good pulse on what a defense is doing, you're going to be able to attack them effectively. Same with the offense. But again, I'm, I'm an offensive guy. And I just think about it in that. Um, Vitamin J asks, how were the Chiefs able to contain Stephon Diggs? Was it scheme of the Chiefs uh, or the cornerbacks just simply outplaying him? Unfortunately, at this point, we haven't got the All-22 tape out yet, so it's hard to say for sure. Fortunately, we saw a replay of like 92% of the wide receiver routes run as they reviewed 
every other play for a potential pass interference penalty. <laughs> it mostly just seemed like it was a little bit of everything. Stefan Diggs still got open a couple times. There were times where he just didn't get the ball while he was open. It happened. There was other times where Ward, Breland completely smothered him and didn't give a throwing window. And there's other plays where Kirk Cousins was just bad Kirk Cousins. He looked uncomfortable all night. He did not want to sit back there, go through his progressions. The Chiefs were I'm shocked. The Chiefs were definitely giving Diggs a little extra attention. They had safeties rolled over the top of them plenty. They were giving help, but overall the Chiefs players played him very well. He was getting open some. Kirk Cousins couldn't get him the ball, but nothing that bad. The important part was Kirk Cousins couldn't get him the ball. Uh, Country Boy 567 asks, in the resurgence of the defense, who has been your MVP, Craig? It still hasn't changed from the preseason, believe it or not. Anthony Hitchens coming back these past three weeks has helped that front stay very organized. I think I, I've been talking about it the last two weeks. It continued this week. I think he's a little bit of a tempo setter as well. Maddie referenced the linebackers are getting downhill a lot quicker. They're just making their presence felt. It's a different attitude of football out there. And then we saw Hitchens changing some empty checks, making some audibles out there. Trying to, throw, yep. trying to throw Dan Sorensen, Sorensen back into on the that secondary. empty check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, he is kind of the 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 brains, the, the heart, maybe a little bit of the center of that defense, and he's making things tick a little more. We've seen that the last three weeks. That's great. That's good. That needs to continue, and it, it seems like maybe he's grasping it a little more and he's taking some of the Spagnola teachings to heart, and that's what we're seeing with some of these changes, these audibles, and you know some of the play that he's been doing downhill. I'm actually going to go with Tyron Matthew, and I don't know if it's much to do with the resurgence of the defense necessarily, but his ability to slide in and take over Kendall Fuller's slot reps and essentially be better than Kendall Fuller was yep. in that same role when he was healthy has been huge. He still plays safety plenty. He doesn't get a chance to make a ton of plays because he isn't targeted much. If teams see him deep, they don't go at him much. If they see him playing in that robber role, they don't go at him much. So he doesn't get attacked very often. He only makes a couple big plays a game because he's just not in position to make a lot of plays the way offenses are playing against the Chiefs defense. But I think we've seen a few times when Sorensen and Thornhill are back deep, you see a few more coverage mix-ups than you get when Tyron Matthews back deep. I think you do see him make a couple splash plays. He keeps the secondary getting their coverages right, moving them around. And like I said, just his ability to step down on the slot and take over that slot quarterback role has been huge because that means that Rashad Fenton, while he's played good, doesn't have to play every rep in that spot. Because I don't, I'm with Craig. I don't think he's ready to be a full time slot quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, just to be different, I, I think you really got to give a lot of credit to Derek Naughty and what he's done inside. Uh, he's been exceptional. Uh, and he had a kind of a rough put, patch here this year, but like the last few weeks, my goodness, this dude is, has been exceptional. And I, I him and Colin Saunders, I actually, I think we have a question about Colin Saunders. I'll save it. But like, I, I really like, I really like what Derek Naughty has done, uh, Stabilize the interior of that defense. It's really good. I forgot to Honor, add, oh, go. honorable mention to Emmanuel Ogba. Yeah, uh, my my man's been been very 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 good this John year. John Dorsey oh. traded him away. Imagine more. trading we, that guy away. Very Dorsey. Very Dorsey. We thing to actually do. haven't said the correct answer yet. We haven't said what? the correct answer yet. The answer is Brendan. Oh, Bailey. actually, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. So, I mean, I think we should just all just 
delete that part out and we'll just go with yeah. Brendan Daly, Daly is getting the most out of Joey Ivy, Colin Saunders, and Mike Pinnell right now. Hey, don't be here. And Derek Naughty. And, and Tano Passio. And, and Emmanuel yeah, Agba. My goodness. The don't, man. Whew, yeah, we don't had be slandering my guy. We had questions three or four weeks ago about why this all-star coaching staff hasn't made their imprint on it. Guys, you got your answer. They have. Um, I forgot to add this little comment to uh, Wichita Chiefs Sam's comment earlier. Uh, I, he's just backing me up. Almond Joy and Reese's is great. Continue spreading the good news. Sorry, Maddie. Guys, go just real quick sidebar. We need to have some fun here. Go sneak into your kids treats bag from halloween find yourself a reese's find yourself an almond joy merge them together and thrive it is the greatest treat for your taste buds it's very rich if you don't like rich foods then i I understand but just trust me on this Uh, i've got some believers out there i have not had very many. I think I've had one person say they didn't like it. Craig, shut up. Craig's giving me the thumbs down. Simu7. No, we are four days removed from Halloween. Your kid does not have any Reese's left, but they sure have a whole heck of a lot of Almond <laughs> Joys left. Let's be real. Keep that trash candy in the stores or the trash can where it belongs. Don't ever ruin my Reese's with you that garbage. You didn't even try. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. When you guys are in town this next next couple of weeks, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you all a Reese's and Almond Joy and just make you eat it. Simu Seven, jumping forward to the off season. It's kind of been weird. We've had a lot of off season questions. The 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 calendar turned to November and we're starting to think about 2020. But I get it. We're always thinking about it. Jumping forward to the off season, who do you think is more likely? For Andy Reid to keep Chad Henney or Matt Moore, we kind of answered this already. Uh, I think I think Matt Moore probably earned it at this point. Uh, let's just keep moving on. Uh, Jayhawk Josh, do you think it was one uh, one or the other that made the right decision? Uh, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna reread this. Basically, did you think the Chiefs made the right decision in keeping Frank Clark over Chris Jones, Craig? Ugh, that's you know. At this point, it, it's very tough. Is Chris Jones going to keep playing defensive end? Or are they going to move him back in on the inside full-time? Because if it's inside full-time, I just don't think that he's in that Spags mold like we talked about earlier. So then in that case, I think Frank Clark is. But if he's playing defensive end a little bit more, I don't know. I, I really think that that becomes the toss-up. Frank Clark is hurt. It's hard to really judge right now what it is. He had a great game against Denver, and then he got hurt. I I think the defense's performance the last two weeks without him is not necessarily any indictment on him himself. I want to see him back. I want to see him in January. Playoff sacks matter. So I, I want I, <laughs> oh I want, I want to see gotta, those there. <laughs> we got to start making that a hashtag. Listen, we we are Chiefs fans. We have seen good pass rushes unable to get sacks or affect the passer for too many of these playoff trips. Playoff sacks matter. Frank Clark goes out and gets three sacks in the playoffs on the way to the Super Bowl. Guess what? Frank Clark was worth every dime they paid him. Playoff sacks matter. Oh, my gosh. This made my day. Matt, do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with Craig here. I think when you're looking at Spag specifically, the 
difference between a defensive and a defensive tackle is quite obvious. He values defensive ends more. Whether or not we as fans want to agree with that, I don't think it matters. Their choice was to get the guy that the defensive coordinator thinks that he can fit into his system better. Even furthermore than that, Frank Clark's kind of mentality and effort that he gives on a play-by-play basis was something they think they fell in love with. I think you've heard Therese Paler talk about it a lot. Anybody that has been in Seattle has talked about his intensity and stuff like that throughout his career. I don't think the Chiefs have had that. I think last year we saw a big lull in their intensity all along the defensive side of the ball with their leaders on the team then kind of had that lull. Chris Jones was here. And I don't think Chris Jones is a bad leader or anything. I'm not trying to say that. He's just a high-energy guy that gets everybody kind of cheering. He gets the crowd into it. But I don't think he's the guy providing that super intensity that you see from Frank Clark or a Tyron Matthew. The Chiefs very much – yeah, accountability. You can go back to training camp and look through just a bunch of different quotes about how Frank Clark is getting on people, offensive players, defensive players, making people work for it. I kind of feel like they wanted that, and I don't know how you quantify that with a number versus a guy that just has a lot of energy that gets other people energized, but not necessarily holding them accountable, not bringing the intensity every single day. Right, Matty, I just want to give you a little bit of credit because I know you've you've kind of been on this this Chris Jones defensive end thing for a while. I know some people maybe kind of threw some shade at you uh, early in the year about it. Uh, but it really seems like they've—it's kind of been the perfect role, and you've kind of—you've been on that from Jump Street. So credit to you, and I—I I totally agree. Based on like Spag's prototypes, inside outside, he doesn't make a sense as much sense inside consistently, especially on the base downs. Obviously, in, in rush situations, just let him go thrive out there. But man, I think that—that that role for him this week, whenever he, when everyone gets back, that could be fun. When Frank gets back, I would not be opposed to seeing Chris Moore outside a little bit. You know, play it, him there. Oh man, Okafor has not been good enough to where Okafor should hold a starting job over Chris Jones in the base defense. Yeah, Alex Okafor shouldn't hold a job over Emmanuel Ogba. I, I mean, if we're being real, yeah. <laughs> yeah, flat out. And I don't think Ogba's been great against the run either, but neither is Okafor. Right. So all right, uh, Derek Freeland asks: Our guy Charvarius Ward is looking better. What are you seeing on film, Maddie? I know you are doing uh, a full breakdown of Charvarius Ward this week. Yeah, as a group, we've been a little lower on Charvarius Ward, I think, than some fans have been. And he's been playing much better lately. Right now, going into this film review, I haven't got to watch this Vikings game yet, and I'll probably watch a little bit of the Packers game too, but I really wanted to wait for the Vikings game with the talented receivers and a capable quarterback sometimes, obviously not on Sunday, of getting them the ball. I just wanted to see him in that matchup before I kind of made this final opinion. I think Charvarius Ward is good, like a good cornerback in specific situations. You put him in the red zone where he doesn't have to worry about a ton of space. I think he's pretty good. You let him just press at the line of scrimmage and play guys tight and physical. I think he's been pretty good. I think he is still a free 10 to 15 yards if you want to run a comeback on him. His transition speed still looks very slow. He doesn't even keep up with tight ends coming out of it. He's just not being targeted in those situations, so it's hard to get a huge look. And I think he's playing the ball a little bit better, but he seems to be playing the receiver more than the ball, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That's a way you can play cornerback. He's not losing 50-50s right now. He's making the plays. So he's been a lot better. I'll have more later this week once the coaches films out and really get a look at him. But he's playing better than he did to start the year. I just think there are still some limitations, 
but they're using him in a way that's allowing him to play kind of his strengths a little bit better, it seems like. Yeah, Spagnolo is using him well. Um, I've probably been the lowest on Charvarius Ward of all of us. I, I Even throughout parts of this year when I'm watching it on the All-22, the, the process hasn't been as good of the results necessarily. It certainly does not look that way from what we saw on, on Sunday against Minnesota. He looked great. He did still get beat on a hitch underneath. He still struggles a little bit to transition, but that's fine. I think Steve Spagnuolo is fine with giving up that kind of yardage as long as he's not getting beat deep, as long as they can kind of tighten up in the red zone. That's exactly what Charvarius Ward has done lately. That's phenomenal. That That's functional. He can be a cornerback on this team and start and be a solid contributor. And then the drag that he was able to stop from Stephon Diggs, that's a tough Ooh. route. Stephon Diggs is a very good receiver. Charvarius was in his hip pocket. He was able to drive on that route because, you know, came across immediately. He was able to drive on that, use his length to swat it down. He's also a willing tackler. I mean, he's fit more into this scheme than I thought he would based on what Spagnuolo has looked for out of cornerbacks in the past. So I'm very pleased to eat crow on this. Traverius Ward was really good on Sunday. I hope that that continues. He's definitely on an upward trend I, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd rather him be great than be bad, obviously. You know, I think we've kind of always said, like, you know, we hope we're wrong on some of the things that we're worried about. And I think he's he's done some things that we didn't expect. And I'm thrilled, frankly. The, the, he does not look like the same guy we saw in training camp, flat out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's credit to Spags for doing what he's done with him. Uh, Sam Madison. I think one of the things you talk about too, like, you know, the talk this week, I think Pete got some quotes out of him. There's a lot of, there's, there's confidence with Trivarius too. Like it could just be some of that too, is like, he's just developing some confidence and that's great to see because I mean, he's a cheap asset. He's in, and he's, he's, he's been solid. I think, you know, he definitely helps the long-term outlook in some capacity moving forward for sure. And I think that you got to be excited about that. Uh, and Rebarchek asks, in your opinion, was Tyreek back to receive the last two punts to make a play or had Tobe lost faith in Hardman? Uh, so I, I think McColl, I think, probably lost a little bit of trust. But I think those situations, they they were just trying to affect the game with Tyreek and they did a good job. And I, I think the Vikings probably were going to play a little bit cowardly with that and just try to avoid kicking to him. So that's a good thing. One thing about McCall Hartman, I just want to say, because we didn't really have a great place to to put it, I think you're kind of seeing his role pretty defined. Uh, you see, he, he played 11 snaps this week. Five of them, he was running jets. I was doing some tracking on that. He ran five jets. He really only went out for like six routes for the entirety of the game. And I think that just kind of comes back to the things that we've been talking about with him. McColl is not a good route runner. He's just not. I know some people have said that. It's just not true. The Chiefs don't trust him as a route runner. He is a vertical threat, and he is good behind the line of scrimmage. Those are his strengths, and he's not been able to separate consistently. And they don't trust him out in his. They don't trust his complete route tree, just flat out. That's why guys like Demarcus Robinson are playing, because McColl's been more productive than D. Rob. It's because McColl is not a complete receiver yet. He's got a long way to go. I know some uh, there's there's some routes out there that you know some people have shown. It's just he's not consistent enough. It's not, and they don't trust him. Look, watch where his production is. Watch where they're lining him up. 
Uh, Burt Wilkinson. Well, ball security's got to be something you got to bring and up too, now, though. too. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. For sure. Bobbled catches, drops, and now two fumbles on the kick returns. Like that's that's something that you can't do, as you're saying, when he's a incomplete kind of route runner. He's a receiver that has a very defined role. But if you have multiple players that can kind of fill that same role, and you don't trust him to hold onto the ball or to routinely make the catch, when I mean, he's dropped what two or three screens this year too, like it's hard to put that on the field for more than eleven snaps when you have more capable guys that can do the same thing. Burt Wilkinson asked if you had to pick one of these three to extend, who would it be? Maddie, I'm gonna I'm not gonna let you Maddie answer this. Tano Passanio is under contract next year. So um, but Demarcus Robinson, Tano Passanio, Emmanuel Ogba, which one of these three are you extending? I mean, if we're not gonna consider money at all, I think Ogba's the easy answer by far. Even if you're gonna consider money, I don't know if Ogba's even played himself into a significantly higher price bracket. I guess the trick there becomes if you keep in Chris Jones and you plan to play him a little bit defensive end rather than just defensive tackle, that might make Ogba a little too expensive. But if not, I mean, give me Ogba first, then Tano Robinson, unfortunately, just cannot continue to put it all together week by week. So he would be the last guy I would sign here. Just give me more Byron Pringle, less Robinson, less McColl, more Byron Pringle. Brandon 422, was I seeing things or was Mike Pennell, Mike Pennell crushing some runs already, Craig? crushing runs my <laughs> panel has been so good seriously that dude is one of the most underrated signings that, the, that they've done recently brett veach found a real gym there he's really taken exactly to what spags and daily want him to do he's been a fantastic rotational piece i'm very glad that they brought him in i had zero expectations for panel but my goodness, he has been very, very good since he's been here. Yeah, credit to him. Uh, I think Brandon Daly actually had some experience with Mike Pennell in the past, so that might be part of the reason that they're having uh, some familiar. You know, maybe maybe he's taken onto it pretty well because I think he was mm-hmm. in New England. Oh wait, maybe not. No, he was in he was in New England this year. My bad. I'm wrong. Correct. I'm 100 yeah. percent wrong, uh, as usual. Colby O2. On a scale of 1 to 10, how impressed have you been with the development of Colin Saunders? And why is your answer 12? Uh, Colin Saunders, I think getting thrown to the fire was the best thing for him. And I'm so excited to see him, you know, really taking, you know, making some improvements. I think he's been a lot more um, stout at the point of attack. I don't think he's really shown much as a pass rusher. His Him and Derek Naughty have kind of just taken the, you know, the steady march back to the quarterback kind of approach. And that's okay. I think... Colin Saunders has earned opportunities moving forward. He's earned enough trust that I think you're going to see him even when everybody's at full strength. And I think you've got to be pretty encouraged with where he's at to this point. There's some more things. I mean, Spags dropped him into coverage. Like, my guy is my guy's dropping into coverage. Several times. He has done it several times over the past three weeks. Give him some time. <laughs> let him start working in the stunt game a little bit more, too. Like, there's, there's some things to be excited about him, but he doesn't look overwhelmed anymore and that's massive young gun 24 uh on a scale of one to ten a lot of likert scales today how impressed have you been with tano passenger maddie i I think a 9.2 i think he has looked like a significantly better player this year he all of a sudden kind of seems to get it in terms of coming up with a plan on most of his reps he's done a good job trying versus throwing that's his energy level and his efforts never really been an issue there's just been plays where he was blown out so bad on where he just guessed so wrong that it looked like he was not trying at all this year those are gone 
I don't think he's consistent enough right now to be a starter. I think it's hard to even lean on him as a heavily rotated player, but a guy that belongs on a roster to get some snaps and maybe you get him to keep developing. He's still pretty young. He's still pretty raw based on his past experience. Keep him around. But I mean, he's made a huge leap from last year where he couldn't get on the field over Breland Speaks to this year to where he looks like a competent, you know, deep rotational player. And Mr. Marshall 22 asks, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, Terlepathy asks with the newfound defense performance, are the Chiefs going to be unstoppable with everyone healthy? The answer is yes, Terlepathy. Uh, Mr. Marshall 22, is there any reason we don't let everything, uh, every single kickoff go out the back of the end zone, return, lo- returns look like more M-O-O-R-E risk than potential upside, Craig? Yeah, I'll, I'll ignore that pun. Uh, <laughs> Dave Tobe thinks that that one return that you bust is worth every return that gets stopped at the 20-yard line or the 19-yard line or whatever the case may be because you have Patrick Mahomes and realistically, what's the difference between an 80-yard versus a 75-yard drive? Now, that being said, Turnovers are a big deal. If if you're not protecting the ball, you got to get out. Like that that can't happen, guys. I just gonna take this real quick here. The Chiefs are allowing 3.89 points per game per game off of turnovers right now. That's how it's gone. The defense has been put in some really really poor positions. 3.89 points per game. I mean. That's outrageous. The Chiefs' defense without those, which, I mean, you can't eliminate every turnover ever, but the Chiefs' defense without those would be eighth in the NFL right now in points per game just by eliminating turnovers. They got to clean that up. Ball security is a big deal. So if they're going to keep turning the ball over, then, yeah, you just have McColl just let them bounce out of the end zone. All right, JW19 asks, thoughts on cutting LDT at the end of the year and moving forward with Eric Fisher Martinez Rankin, Andrew, uh, Austin Ryder, Andrew Wiley, and Mitchell Schwartz, Maddie. I don't know if I feel great about Martinez Rankin as a slotted and kind of starting guard without much competition. I think that he's had some good and some bad games so far. He does not look to me like he's ready to be a major difference maker, but... I don't think Laurent Duvernay-Tardif has improved at all since he got paid. I actually think he has played worse, and I know he's battled through some injuries, but he has slowly played worse and worse. He looks a lot like the guy that was there before he got paid. He has a lot of just terrible technique issues that result in really bad losses. His footwork is a mess. It got better. It's really bad again. Maybe it's playing through injuries. Maybe it's something else. But he's just a guy that has really high highs and really low lows. And when that consistently consistency pendulum is swinging towards the lows, it just looks really bad. I'm okay with moving on from him. Save that money. I think Wiley has been just as good. He's a lot more consistent when playing in that right guard spot than LDT is. You just got to figure out center and left guard. I feel pretty darn good about this offensive line then. I definitely haven't looked at this several times, but Laurent Duvernay-Tardif saves $5 million on the cap next year, seven with a post-June 1 cut. It's pretty sad that I know that. Uh, that's going to do it for the mailbag this week. Uh, I want to shout out Kodak Matt, Casey John KC, Synapse Truth. You asked some questions about the Titans. We are going to move on to the Titans later in the week on the game preview show. We'll be back then to talk about that game and maybe the return of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Catch you later. We'll
please don't ruin your Reese's with a fake coconut candy, people. <laughs>